Hi, friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you like what we talk about here on the Belonging Podcast, I think you'll really love my book. It's called Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self. And it is available right now wherever books are sold. It is a beautifully illustrated guide to connecting with the earth, your ancestors, and your communities as you come home to your whole self. Though we live in a radically different looking world, the needs of our bodies and spirits are the same as the ancestors we come from. I divide this book into four parts, land, lineage, community, and self, and I take you on a journey for engaging more deeply with your life. I provide stories from my own life and I share rituals, recipes, and ancestral wisdom, journal prompts to support you on your individual and unique and sacred path. You can get more info and bonuses at rootandritualbook.com and pick it up at your favorite bookstore online or in person. Thanks for all your support. It means the world to me. I'm Becca Piastrelli, and this is Belonging, where I talk about what it means to belong to the earth, to yourself, to your ancestors, and in community. Hi there, and welcome back to Belonging, the podcast. It's Becca Piastrelli here. Thank you for being here with me. Have I got an episode for you today? It's with, I can now say my friend, Mara Glatzel, who I just really admire, and I really love her podcast, Needy. If you're looking for another podcast add hers to your feed, needy podcast. And this is an episode we recorded, you'll figure it out, many months ago. And it's about a topic that Mar and I really bond over, which is overcoming these patterns, these behaviors of overworking, people-pleasing perfectionism, and claiming our needs in a really deep and radical way. And um, oh, there's just something about the way Mara talks about it that feels refreshing as opposed to cliche, which I was sort of getting to in like this world was like a little starting to feel a little cliche, self-care, blah, blah. I know. And this conversation was deeply refreshing and I just re-listened to it so I could tell you what it's about. And I was like, yeah, this is so good. So who is Mara? So Mara Glatzel is an intuitive coach, writer, and podcast host who helps perfectionists and people pleasers reclaim their sovereignty. Her superpower is saying what you need to hear when you need to hear it, and she is here to help you believe in yourself as much as she believes in you. Such a projector bio. I love it. Mara's an amazing projector in human design, which if you don't know by now, I'm obsessed with. So we begin this conversation with me just being like, okay, self-care is starting to feel like a function of privilege in this pandemic. It feels like you can take care of yourself based on how much money or access you have. And that doesn't feel right. And then she was bringing up this idea that needy and having needs is kind of cringeworthy. 
I was like, oh, that's true. That's definitely true. And then she says, your needs aren't a problem. Your belief about your needs can be. Uh, yeah, there it is. And that we all have needs and they need care. They need attention. And it's up to us or you to become the one person in the world that you aren't too much for. So you're not outsourcing your enoughness. In other words, only you can bring voice to and attention to your needs and that you can fulfill them. We talk about expanding needs beyond the physical, though the physical is really important, feeding yourself, drinking water, getting rest, to things like being seen, to play, to feeling belonging, and how we sometimes suppress our needs because we believe that's necessary to belong. Does that resonate? Resonates with me. And the difference between needs and wants. A need is something you require. A want is something you desire. And the radical nature of claiming a need, this is something I really, it really came to me as I was listening to Mara, particularly just thinking about the systems of oppression we and our ancestors have lived in for a long time and how claiming and meeting a need, that's a really big deal. Each of us, me and Mara, share the needs we struggle with in full transparency and even mapping it back to the lineage of women not meeting our needs on both on both sides for us. She talks about coming from bitter women and how that really comes from not being able to or feeling safe enough to meet their needs. She asks us to ask ourselves who your life is for and can you measure enoughness for you, which is so important, I think, this idea of enoughness for so many of us who are brought up to feel like, you know, our ambition and our hard work is never enough and our to-do lists and our ways of being every day. Like, have you ever asked yourself, like, who, who am I doing this for? Is it for you? You know, or is it for the nameless, faceless parental approval you know, is it for some spiritual being? This is just really interesting to me. And then she talks about navigating needs um, with a partner and children, which is like a whole thing, right? And uh, me being pregnant in this time, I'm very curious. I'm like, tell me about it. So she tells me about it. And then I'm curious about seeking validation through striving, something I'm constantly working on. She talks about not allowing your to-do list to be the boss of you every day and how she reframes it to daily tending as opposed to daily to-dos, which leads us into the very real grief of realizing you can't do as much as you want to. She says, we're sold a lemon. We've been sold a lemon in this world, in this system. You can't, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And there's grief in that, Right. She talks about letting your body lead your to-do list, which is, again, so powerful. And then I share basically how the past year of my life has looked in drastically reducing uh, my output. It all started with a doctor telling me if I wanted to have a baby, I needed to significantly reduce the amount of work I did. I had just gotten a book deal. I share more about that. And um, the shame 
the shame of not of not being of not being able to cut it. <laughs> that really came up. I laugh because um it just sounds silly to say and yet it's so real. It's so real. She she talks about accepting the season of life you're in, particularly for mothers, in order for a way to find enoughness and accept your needs and fulfill them. It's a really powerful and beautiful conversation. I'm so happy to share it with you. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mara Glatzel. You're not doing the interviewing. How nice is this? So nice. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just take you on a journey and ask you about all the amazing things about yourself. Oh, this is so fun. I love being interviewed. Cool. So Mara Glatzel, welcome to Belonging. So good to be interviewing you after having been interviewed by you. Thank you for having me here. I am super excited to get to hang out with you again. Yeah, me too. I really enjoyed being interviewed on your podcast, Needy, uh, which is a really, really beautiful, amazing podcast. Everyone should add to their listening feeds. And I'm just like very into everything you share. It, it's so authentic. You know, you talk about self-care and I got to tell you, I'm getting a little eye rolly with that term, <laughs> you know, and there's many reasons for it. Like, like privilege, <laughs> uh, you know, like is someone, so we're recording this in the pandemic. It'll probably come out when we're still in a pandemic. And um, there was this like New York Times article that was like, you know, is self-care and wellness, right? Like just for the rich right now in a pandemic. And I was like, see, that's, that's where I get sort of nervous about that, that sort of conversation, because I wonder if the original meaning of self-care has been lost in capitalism, but that's something we can jam on. And you, I love how you talk about needs. So upfront, like even the name of your podcast, needy, I'm like, whoa, kind of a triggering word, right? Like, am I allowed to be needy? So I just, can we just roll into that? Like, I don't know, yeah. pick your poison, needy or self-care, but can we just, let's just hear what you have to say. Well, it's so funny because my younger sister the other day said to me that my dad was asking her, I'm writing a book and he was saying, I hope, you know, I hope she doesn't name the book needy. I know that's her podcast name, but I really think she missed the mark on that one. It's so cringeworthy every time she says it, like needy, like Uh, nobody wants to be that Mara. And I was like, well, (laughs) therein lies all of my problems. No, just kidding. But you know, that, that is why I called the podcast needy because I had spent so many years of my life just trying not to be needy because I thought that you know, to be good in order to be lovable, in order to be worth something um, in somebody else's eyes, obviously, that needy was the absolute worst thing that a person could be, woman could be, especially in my case. So how interesting is that, right? When we're these humans who have needs and, you know, not because we're weak or because there's something wrong with us, but because we are humans and that's how the human body works, you know, and beyond just our physical needs, also our emotional needs, our mental needs, our spiritual needs. We, you know, we are, we are beings with needs and your needs aren't a problem. Your belief about your needs is really the problem. And so when I started 
really pivoting my work towards self-care. And I'm with you. I'm like eye-rolling self-care left and right. But but we all have needs and those needs need care. And that's how I think about it. You know, I think that instead of the kind of self-care that we see on Instagram with like the rose petal baths and the, you know, I don't know, like rose quartz face rollers and whatnot. I mean, like I am, I'm not down on anybody's self-care, but I think that's what we see, right? We see that these images of self-care that are, um, that have a lot of privilege to them that seem very, it's branded. Yeah. And performative and expensive and something that somebody else can have, but not me because by comparison, I always look so unbearably messy. I always look like, you know, I'm lying on the bathroom floor and they're in Tulum with a, a face mask on. So, mm. you know, I think that if we are to really pivot that idea of self-care to include tending to our needs, tending to our lives and showing up for ourselves in whatever way, whatever care we require, then we're really talking about something. You know, then we're talking about being in relationship with ourselves and that that idea of like, oh, I'm going to be too much. I'm going to be too needy. My own relationship with that word pivoted when I started to think about it in terms of becoming that one person in the world that I wasn't too much for. And you know, when I stopped making my needs other people's responsibility and I stopped outsourcing my enoughness and I started really claiming responsibility for my own needs, then they are still overwhelming sometimes, but I wasn't trying to offload them on somebody else. And I realized that for me, you know, I had spent a lifetime of wanting other people to do for me what I was unwilling to do for myself. And getting into right relationship with myself, really claiming my needs and really digging deep into the kind of self-care that I personally require had to do with that, that responsibility and deciding for myself when I was enough and taking care of whatever needed caring for in my own personal life. And that was like something that I really felt like I could sink my teeth into uh, in a meaningful way. Hmm. So can you give us an example of a need? Because <laughs> I feel like sometimes in our own, I don't know, inner criticism, outsourcing of enoughness, like we can also be like, wait, what are my needs? What is a need? Like, can you just break it down a little bit more for us? Yeah. And and, and I also think it's quite validating too, to just yeah. name it. Yeah. So, you know, I think that um, people are more comfortable and familiar with the physical needs of the body. So, you know, needing nourishment, needing hydration, needing physical safety, shelter from the elements, needing to get up and go to the bathroom, needing to tend to your physical self, rest. And then, but beyond that, you know, so it's like when I work with people, sometimes they can get good on those physical needs and they can think like, okay, you know, I can see how if I deprive myself of those physical needs, then things really start to fall apart at a certain point. But I like to expand our perception of needs to include things like the need to be seen and known, the need for play, the need for celebration. Um, You know, one of the reasons I love your podcast is because I have a lifelong fascination with our universal need for belonging and how that manifests Mm. 
And interestingly, like the play between belonging and having, allowing ourselves to have needs to begin with. Because I Mm -hmm. find that, you know, for those of us who suppress our needs on an oft occurring basis, we do that because we believe that's what's necessary in order to belong. And so if I think about my needs in my primary relationship with my partner, you know, I might need to be feel heard, I might need touch, I might need comfort, you know, and those are needs that I could take responsibility for and meet myself. Those are needs that I could invite her to meet with me. But I might override all of that if I perceive that that is something she doesn't want to give me, right? So then it would be risky to ask. So, Mm. you know, we all have that need for belonging, but a lot of times we put our other needs on the back burner or we sort of try to meet them on the periphery. Like, you know, I recently was talking to a mom who was telling me that she had never eaten in front of her children. And she has like a seven-year-old. She's like, I've wow. never a day in my kid's life, like eaten at the same time, you know, like I would make her food and she would eat it. And I eat like after the kids go to sleep, which was so interesting to me. And really what her thought process was, you know, it took a little digging, but was that to be a good mom meant putting her kids needs ahead of her own. And, you know, that's a, that's a kind of belonging, looking for that kind of belonging, both in the eyes of your peers and also belonging in your family, belonging to your kids. And, you know, so we have, our needs are pretty vast, but I like to think about it, a need as anything that you require in order to survive and thrive in, you know, your relationships or in your life. And I kind of differentiate between needs and wants in that way. Like a need is something you require and a want is something that you desire, but not to put them in a hierarchy because I think that both are important. But I think about the need as this is a requirement, either physical, emotional, mental, energetic, spiritual, in order for me to exist and also move beyond just surviving and you know, also maybe thrive in my body, in my life, in this relationship, in the workplace. This feels deeply radical to me, just like hearing you and like soaking it into the cells of my being just to feel, first of all, like as a woman or a feminized being who has been oppressed by patriarchy, born of women oppressed by patriarchy, like going back and back and back. It just to claim a need, first of all, to identify a need and then to claim it as like something required for thriving, I can feel a part of myself that, that is like, is that allowed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Like, is that allowed? How will I be perceived? Is it okay? Will I die? You know, like those, those like little primal instincts within me, which I, I just, I, it's natural for me to map it back to sort of like ancestral story and systems of oppression where I'm just like, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you're talking about. It's a massively big deal. And I'm someone who like, I find it is hard for me to remember to eat in the middle of the day. And that's a need, mm-hmm. right? That's a need for me to eat in the middle of the day. And when I don't, I get really, really tired. I get a blood sugar, just plummet. Um, particularly being pregnant right now, it's rough. And so I'm like, what's what's behind that? So then I want then I want need to rest, but then I resist resting. 
which is then the next need. And then it's like a spiral. (laughs) And then the day doesn't really end well. And so I'm just thinking about why, like, what's the root of that? And it's like probably some toxic ambition stuff, some striving addiction stuff that is still working its way out of me, maybe forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like mapping that to enoughness, mapping that to lovability, mapping that to um, survival, even if it's like an untrue story. So yeah, I find this to be like a very deep practice to come into like a deep, um, like first of all, an identification and then a naming of and a claiming of needs Mm -hmm. as simple as I will step away from the inbox and I will eat an egg sandwich. (laughs) Like that is, at least that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because when I think about mapping it back to my own lineage, I really see a lot of extremely resentful women. And, you know, when I look through my matrilineal line, I see that really that there is this huge clash between personal ambition and personal desires and the forfeiture of those, that ambition, and those desires in the name of goodness, like good, being a good wife, being a good mother. And the cost of that, that I've experienced through my family, you know, both living and, and ancestral is that I, you know, there's this like deep level of frustration that like you get to the end of your life and you think like, look, I sacrificed this for you. Look, look, you know, you don't even appreciate the sacrifice that I've given and this sort of resounding, but nobody asked you to do that. And I'm really compelled by that idea because of course we are asked to do that in a million and one ways all the time, you know, for many of the reasons that you outlined, right? Right to meet those measures of enoughness, to meet that social conditioning of goodness, to be productive, to be good in whatever way we're taught. And, you know, so we're kind of caught between this, everyone expects us to be this way. And also nobody's actually asking us to be this way. And where does our personal responsibility for our life come in? You know, and this this idea, I think for myself about like, well, who is my life for, actually? What would a measure of enoughness for my life look like? You know, do I want it to look good from the outside? Do I want to have a certain measure of prestige? Like, what is what is fueling my ambition? What's the cost of all of those missed lunches? You know, I my natural mm-hmm. predilection is to drink coffee until. I'm like consumed by some sort of like fit of fury in the middle of the day and then like scarf something down and you know and it's so interesting it's like it's really it's really hard for me to navigate like I have I have such a profound ambition like I am so interested in what I'm creating And also, you know, I have a belief system that I need to do a certain level of things and I have to be a certain way and I have to provide a certain thing and I have to earn 
you know, my, my relationships in a certain way or in my place with those relationships in a certain way. And so it's like, it's a, it's a little of both and because what is a natural part of my personal makeup is that ambition. But when it, you know, so like, how do I keep that while um, disentangling it from all of these unhelpful beliefs around what it means to do a good job? And it's complicated, mm. you know, like we're, we'd have to like, I sort of, I really see this as like both hands in the dirt, you know, like it's not, it's not a clear cut process and there's so much unlearning that has to be done, but yeah. I don't want to be that resentful woman. You know, I don't want to be like all dried up and bitter. You know, I can get bitter in a second <laughs> and I don't want to be that, but in order for me to thrive, in order for me to flourish, I have to be willing to risk asking for a lot more than I think that I should ask for and definitely a lot more than I think that I'm going to get from anyone else. Mm. I'm curious if if you and your partner have developed any sort of practice around this, whether it's conscious or unconscious around the asking, the receiving of the asking, because I... I can't help but like mirror this to my own relationship where Tim and I are both like in the work, you know, we're just like months away from having a baby. And so it's like these final moments of like really this like precious time and space for each of us and us together. And he's really working on rest, really working on rest and like do versus rest energy, which I know you talk about. And I'm really working on like being just being can I be and like just let the day sort of let my intuition and let the day sort of speak through me instead of just like direct where it's going and um we've we've sort of developed this sort of back and forth where we catch ourselves like judging each other's needs or judging each other's actions or asking permission or anything like that and just calling it out working on really letting each other do or be whatever is needed because we both know we're healing some like deep shit, you know? So I'm, it just, you speak so masterfully and I know we're all in the work uh, about this. And I'm just wondering, yeah, what, if there are any practices or phrasing or anything in your household, cause you also have babes uh, around this. Yeah. So I will say my partner has a much more limited appetite for doing this kind of work than I do. So she's pretty genuinely frustrated by me a lot of the time. And, you know, having grown up in a household where needs were not really allowed at all, having a needy partner is so frustrating for her. It's like, she's like, can't you just take care of yourself? I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to take care of myself. That's what I'm trying to do. And so it's, it is so interesting. And I think that the most important thing that I have learned about needs and relationship is to be really clear around whose job is what and what it means. So, you know, it's my job to ask for what I need and to be responsible for that. You know, I need to be as clear as possible. I have a tendency to like get really squirrely when I know somebody else is not going to want to give me what I need or when I know it's going to inconvenience them. So, you know, I will like start being like, I don't know, maybe if you think maybe that you might want to sometime, I'm you know, so it's my job to be really clear about what I need. 
And, you know, it's her job to be really discerning about whether or not she has the capacity to help me meet that need. And then right there, that is like the practice. Yeah. (laughs) Each of you being honest. Right. And then it's my job not to hear her saying no and making Uh that mean, oh, I shouldn't have asked. There's something wrong with me. You know, Uh she hates me. She's going to divorce me. Like, this is all, you know, it's like bad, 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 bad. I'm bad. You know, it's like we have to stand behind our own needs by saying, like, this is what I need. Are you available to help me meet that need? Oh, you're not available? Okay, that's okay. You know, I don't have Mm -hmm. to make that mean everything about, you know, (laughs) where our relationship's going from this moment on, everything about your feelings about my worth as a human being. I just realized that I... I would do a lot of mind reading and also storytelling around that. And so, you know, taking responsibility for that, it's like, okay, you may not have the capacity to help me meet this need right now. And you're allowed to do that. Like, I might not like it, you know, but your response is your responsibility. My response to your response is my responsibility, like really like prizing those things apart and operating from the base assumption that, you know, we like each other, which is why we got married to begin with. And presumably we want one another to have what we need. You know, we have two kids, one who's almost one and one who's four. And it has become much more challenging since having kids because, you know, it's like there's one teeny sliver of time and energy and we both need it. So the kind of like scrappy drag them out defensive behavior that we as humans tend to get into when we feel like we're being deprived of something essential for our survival has ramped up a lot since our kids were born. So it's really it's that much more important for us to be really clear. And, you know, she, my partner is much better than me at asking for what she needs. She's much better at not taking things personally. I'm like, I take things personally, professionally. So that's like, I'm doing that all the time. Mm. And, you know, she really pointed out to me at a certain point that my tendency is to sacrifice the things that I say that I need because I sense that somebody else needs the space, somebody else needs my energy or my time, and then being pissed off after the fact that I didn't get what I need. The and resentment comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the bitterness. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. I don't matter to anybody. You know, if I mattered, you know, and this idea that this like rom com belief that, you know, if somebody loves you, then they automatically already know what you need. You don't even have to ask. They just, you know, and if they don't know, then do they even really know you? You know, so <laughs> it's like, and I think a lot of this has to do with belonging, the desire to belong in our our relationships, especially our closest relationships, and how triggering it is to feel like, oh, am I gonna, am I going to be kicked out because I asked for something you didn't want to give me, or yeah. that's outside of your scope of possibility, or you know, it's it's interesting, and so I think that that piece about being really clear about our responsibility. And also, you know, Brene Brown talks about this idea of the story that I'm telling myself is, and I use that a lot. 
you know, my partner's usually like, why are you telling yourself that story? That doesn't make any sense. But it's a useful way for me to share, you know, like, I don't ask you for what I need, because the story I'm telling myself is if I'm make myself too needy, then you're gonna like abandon me and go find somebody easier to love. And that's really scary for me. So that makes me have a lot of like weird kind of covert uh, defensive behavior around my needs. Hmm. So I think that that, that, um, that, that brings in the compassion and empathy to the conversation yeah. where you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, that's, like, oh, that's why that's they're being thing. like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think it's so, it is so important to really have that compassion both for ourselves and also for the people that we're in relationship with, because, you know, that goes back to that baseline assumption. Like we're here by and large, you know, you're in a relationship, you choose to be in a relationship with somebody because you actually like them. And uh, so, you know, like coming back to that assumption versus I have to do everything exactly perfectly. Otherwise this person's going to leave me. Cause that's a really scary kind of scarcity place to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can relate so much to your experience and your relationship. I really can. And how much that, like that fear of like being left <laughs> for, for sharing what's true comes up. And I think it's a muscle. It's a muscle. We've got to work to realize what we can survive <laughs> that interaction. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd love to talk more about seeking validation through striving. Yeah. Because that's a little bit of my story. And I think a lot of people listening can relate. And, um, it's so interesting. I've been talking about this for years and doing so much work on unlearning and repatterning and like returning to the earth and belonging. And, and I, it still comes up for me big time, mm-hmm. uh, which I just shared with the whole lunch thing. So I, I notice on your Instagram, you like, you talk about daily tending and you talk about approaches to to-do lists and, and that just always makes me breathe deeper when I hear you and, and I, I see your ambition. I see that you create in the world. I see your life and I'm like, cool. Yeah. How does she do it? So <laughs> that, yeah, I have some curiosity. I would love to engage in this conversation around doing our work in the world and how to work with that strivey energy that doesn't always serve us. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that I'll preface all of this by saying that it's a practice that I have gotten better at with time. And, you know, I remember not that long ago, I was so burnt out. I mean, I've been so burnt out so many times in my life, but there was one point a couple of years ago where I was so burnt out. And, you know, I had started my business to not be burnt out and and was more burnt out than ever in my business. And I created this class called the deep exhale. And I was like, all right, so if I'm going to like create this class, you know, I really created the class because I needed it. And uh, I was like, all right, so I'm going to rest. That's like what I'm going to do. That's where that's, that's it. And I remember feeling like, you know, if I shut down my computer for an hour, uh, my entire business was going to fall apart. Like if I, if I wasn't, being vigilant all of the time, everything that I had worked for 
was going to fall apart. Like all of my relationships were going to fall apart. Like everything was just held together by like a wish, a prayer and some duct tape. And I had to be like holding it actively all of the time. And um, that was exhausting as you can imagine. And I started out really just trying to give myself more rest than I thought that I deserved and started to play with this idea of like, I was spending a lot of time quote unquote working, but when I was really exhausted, it was like everything was taking me five times longer because I was so burnt out that if I just let myself take a nap, I actually could have done it in half the time. And it feels like it's a pipe dream, but actually it, it is true. You know, it's like I would have my computer open in my lap all of the time, but that didn't mean that I was working. And so then I had this feeling like, well, I'm working all of the time, but I'm not getting anything done. I would judge myself. And to boot, you know, I had all of these ideas about myself. Like I'm just so emotionally fragile. You know, I just like I was consumed by all of this self-doubt and, you know, took all of that to mean, well, I need to work harder because like, I'm just, you know, not as good as other people. That, that belief right there, that's a big one. Like, I just don't, I'm not good at this, so I have to work harder. Yeah. And, and I saw that as a character flaw instead of really seeing it as like, wow, okay. The, the, my self doubt is a symptom of my burnout. And Mm. my lack of tending. So reframing that for myself really helped because I started to see, okay, well, if I don't take care of myself, then I am comparing myself to other people, beating myself up. Nothing's enough. I'm, you know, like scrolling, 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 not getting anything done. See that person's offer beat myself up for the next four hours for not having thought of it because it's better than anything I've ever thought of. Like that kind of (laughs) thinking is clear, you know, and I used to think like, oh, I'm just such a loser. You know, I need to work harder. But now I'm like, okay, okay. (laughs) Time for a nap. (laughs) You need your own help really badly. So getting into that right relationship around what my warning signs were of my own needs, my own neediness, And instead of taking them personally and making them mean that I need to work harder, seeing them as signs that I need to slow down and really trust myself. And that's where the practice comes in because I think that it takes, it takes practice to know, okay, I can allow myself to rest and I will return to this more rejuvenated. I can allow myself to rest. I can move at my own pace. That doesn't mean I'm not going to get it done. Because when I was like really in that place of not trusting myself, I thought if I relax the reins at all, I was going to end up like three months down the line, covered in Dorito dust, watching daytime TV, like ambitions be damned. And that was very scary. So I, I held on very tight. And in that time, you know, I was like, my to-do list was the boss of me. I woke up and my to-do list told me what I needed to do and who I needed to be that day in order to get it done, which was not sustainable or in any way effective as like a long-term life strategy. And so when I think about daily tending and I think about like really taking sustainable action, I think about inverting that and checking in with yourself first and having how you feel and what your body needs 
tell you what you're available for that day. And it's scary to make that switch because it might feel like my body is this like wanton thing. You know, if I give it, it's like, I don't know if you ever read that book, if you read them out, if you give a mouse a cookie. Oh, yeah. But it's like, if I give a mouse a cookie, it's going to want a glass of milk and then it's going to want like a cozy bed and then it's going to want a book to be read to it. And then, you know, basically that there's this rabbit hole that we're all going to go down if we give ourselves even like an inch of give. But in which but but might be true, right? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah. how do we navigate that? It's like a whole reframe. It's a total of reframe. Life. Yeah, and I think that you know, for me what it is is a lot of grief work around the fact that I as a human, not a robot, but as a human, um I'm actually not able to get as much done as I want to. And like, I'm actually not able to work as fast as I want to. And that is sad feeling. It sucks so hard. It yeah. really does. It really does. And it's like, it's such a letdown because we're sold this lemon that like, if we just work harder, like, yeah, you can have it all, but like, you can't have it all. And you can't do, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And you certainly can't do everything all at the same time, not because there's nothing, there's anything wrong with you, but because like, that's how you like, that's your factory setting, all of us, you know, and, and I think what's interesting is that we each have an individual capacity and actually our capacity is elastic. Like the more that we feed ourselves, the bigger of a capacity we have to do things. And so the more that we take care of ourselves, even though it feels like we shouldn't, and we don't have the time to, if we're really invested in our work, if we're really invested in showing up in the world or you know, showing up for our kids, showing up for our partner, showing up for you know whatever it is that we care about, the more that we take care of ourselves, the more that we nourish our capacity to do those things. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. just no getting around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you, so you say you wake up and you let your body lead your to-do list. Is that what it is? Yeah. So I check in and I'm like, all right, how do I feel? Well, I feel, you know, this morning I was like, woke up. I'm like, I feel really bad. What is that feeling? (laughs) Is it tiredness? No, it's like this deep feeling of shame. Mm. I just woke up with it. I don't know why. I don't know where Mm -hmm. it came from. It's just like, It was here last night. It's still here today. Okay. So, you know, what's not great for me to do when I'm feeling that deep shame is work on my book. That's like not a good fit, really, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I already, it's already tender to work on. It already makes it, you know, I need to feel like pretty robust. So I'm like, okay, I was planning on doing that today. Um, But that, it's not, I mean, you know, of course, it's like if I had, if the, you know, if I had to do something, then I would tr- attempt to rally for that. But well, you had to talk to me. Right. So, you know, right? this is like takes a certain shame override to do this. Um, but, I get it. but, you know, it's not the same as the book is like really like very triggering. So, okay. So I'm like, all right. So what else is on my list? You know, I had a lot of admin to do for my business. I had some other stuff that just felt a lot safer to work on. So instead of charging through my shame 
and being like, you said this is what you were going to do today. So like, this is what you're going to do today. And then have it be hard and have me like crying on the floor, thinking like, I should just throw this book in the trash because, you know, I can't do anything. Like it wouldn't, it, that's, that would be what the old me would have done. And it would have been a trash fire. So instead of doing that, checking in with myself and being responsive to how I feel gives me this opportunity to say, okay, well, you know, you have to go to work today. You're paying somebody to watch your kids. So these are your hours, like use them. But what can I do during this time? That's a good fit for my energy, you know, and what do I need? And can I fit that in? You know, it's like, I was pretty dehydrated also, which I'm sure didn't help. So can I make sure while I'm doing this work, that's a good fit for me to get enough water. So it's inverting that idea instead of just charging it to your day and saying, all right, what's on the docket? This, 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 and this, 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 and this. First of all, limiting yourself to what an actual real life human could do in one day. Super important. And second of all, <laughs> having that be responsive to how you feel and thinking like, okay, well, you know, I could bang my head against that wall all day, or I could do these things, get them out of the way and hope that I feel less like deep seated shame tomorrow and work on that tomorrow. Hmm. That's, um, again, the word radical really comes to mind here. I, I find that it's both deeply liberating to like come to terms with like, I can really only do like three things a day. And then the shame comes in for my like limited capacity. It really happened when I got pregnant and like had to, we talked about it in my interview in your um, podcast where I was like, I have to, first of all, before I got pregnant, I was struggling to get pregnant. And my doctor was like, you have to reduce your work by 50%. And I had just gotten a book deal. I was like, literally impossible, ma'am. And then had to work through the grief, right? That you're talking about. And then I got pregnant and felt so sick and was like, okay, actually, I can only do like 25% of what was 100% and making me miserable. <laughs> and it's it's great in many ways because I feel like I've done a lot of deep work on understanding my capacity. And I feel physically so much better when I approach my work from this place of like understanding my capacity. But that shame comes in around, I think this is what I was trying to say of like, I've done, I've been working on this for so long and still the the stuff, the beliefs, the stories, right, come up around, well, that person over there is doing more, can handle more. Her body accepts caffeine better than yours or whatever it is. And um, yeah, like, what do we do with that when it, because like it's a practice, like you're saying, right? And so we've got to tend to the grief and we've got to tend to the shame and we've got to tend to our bodies and we've got to tend to like the limitations of waking up and your kid's sick and the day is shot, you know, whatever it is. And we've got to show up when we need to show up. And and yeah, do you have anything to share around navigating the like <laughs> the ebbs and flows of like reprogramming, if we're going to like talk about ourselves as operating systems, the system into mm -hmm. a new way of being. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's so important to keep a mind to 
the fact that we don't know how or what is going on in somebody else's life when we're thinking about how how we look in comparison to them, right? And I really struggle with this, you know, like I really struggle with being like that person's just smarter than me and that is upsetting or that person, you know, all of these things. And I think it is really challenging and part of it is that we don't know what somebody else is doing. We, like we don't know how they're doing it, you know, if I had a dollar for I, every single person that I invite on needy by and large is like, I'm not great at this. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you mean this whole taking care of yourself thing? Yes. So like, <laughs> it is hard for all of us. And a lot of times the people who are looking at and saying like, oh, that person's getting so much done. We don't necessarily know the cost. And we may not be good with that cost if it were us in our own lives. And so really like trying to focus back to what we're doing and, you know, I don't know, it sounds hokey, but for me, I'm like, there's enough for all of us. It's all going to be okay. You know, like we're all doing things, our own things. And for me, it takes a lot of reminding of that um, because the compulsion to see what somebody else is doing and think like they're doing it better than me. Uh, is so real. And, you know, I think too, something that's so compelling and horrifying for me is this idea of the fact that we have seasons to our lives. And, you know, for me, I also, it was really challenging for me to get pregnant. My first pregnancy was really hard. I miscarried my daughter's twin in the middle of it, had postpartum depression throughout the duration of the rest of the pregnancy. It was very challenging. Then I had a baby who I struggled to nurse. Then I had a kid, then I had another kid, you know? So, so when I think about this, this season of my own life, I'm grieving the fact that I, I just quite literally have very little energy and time at my disposal, which means everything's going to take 17 times longer than I want it to take. And that's the reality of my life right now. And there is a piece of really honoring that seasonality that helps put it into place for me. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not going to be like this forever. Um, this is the season of life that I'm in. I really like Byron Katie says something to the effect of, you know, when you argue with what is you lose, but only every time. And, mm. you know, so for me, it's like, but I don't want this to be true, but like, but this is what is true. What is true is that I can do 25% of what I wish I could do. What is true is that my ambition vastly outpaces my energy level. What is true is I'm actually not willing to make the sacrifices necessary to get things done on that timeline or in that way or at that level of perfection. Like I have things that matter to me in my life that are more than just my work. And so while somebody else might be making the choice to work, I'm like making lasagna. I don't know, like <laughs> working on my sourdough yeah. project. Like I'm making, I, I am not willing to sacrifice getting a lot of sleep. I'm not willing to sacrifice going slowly in the morning, getting outside in the afternoon. Like there's so many things about my life that when I look at it, sort of objectively, it's like, yeah, I might be pissed or sad that I'm not doing things better or faster. But actually, if I'm totally honest with myself, I'm not willing to sacrifice anything to 
work harder or devote more time or energy to that project. Like I, to me, what success looks like is kind of like, not like a mediocre life, but a life where I'm getting some stuff done and also like walking for on the beach every day or hanging out with in my lawn, like on my lawn, planting some things or, you know, like that is what I actually want my life to look like. And so the cost, quote unquote, cost of that means I didn't write a book already. It's taken me a really long time, you know, like that's just what it is. And so I think part of that for me has to do with that ownership of like, I'm smart, I'm ambitious, I could do things probably in a very different way, I could have made different choices. Um, But that's not actually the life that I want to have. And I can't have both. Mm. And what I like, I'm just such a visual person. And what I visually see is like, instead of holding like work ambition above all all other needs, all those other needs now have the same weight. The going outside, the planting, the garden, the getting enough sleep, all of it. It's all important. Yeah, because contribution, that's one of our needs, but it's only one. And it is, it's, it's in a capitalist society, it is put Mm -hmm. out of whack. You know, it's like placed high above everything else. That productivity is king and you are good if you're doing a good job, but you know, that doesn't really work actually for oh yeah our bodies tell us differently (laughs) right and so that's like the thing about the the striving it's like there are times still when I wish I could just power through but I literally cannot so I'm arguing with it but I mean you know I'm I'm gonna lose and only every time yeah Mara, thank you so much for all that you shared. Just like so generous with your wisdom and your stories. And I just really love when we can get super real about what we still struggle with, what we have struggled with. And yeah, you're so cool. (laughs) (laughs) You're so cool. (laughs) Thank you. I think you're pretty cool also. Thanks. So uh, for folks who, first of all, folks who want to hear more of you, like actually hear more of you, they got to listen to Needy, which can probably be found wherever you find podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, where else can they find you? You can find me at maraglatzel.com. You can hear me at maraglatzel.com. I have a, like a five-day self-care reframe offering where I will talk to you just basically like I'm talking to you right now about you know how to really rethink how you check in with yourself every day and how you set up your your daily to-do list um so if you want to want more of that you can find that on my site but where I really love to hang out with people is on Instagram you can find me at Mara Glatzel yeah cool thank you again for all that you shared and I hope the rest of your day is deeply nourishing Oh, thanks. You too. 
Thank you so much for joining me. I know your time is sacred and the fact that you spent it with me talking about belonging means a lot. If you want to access show notes or links to old episodes, check out belongingpodcast.com. And if you know a friend who could really benefit from listening to this episode, share it with them. I'll talk to you soon.